Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. A, a, a Giants podcast for Giants fans. By Giants fans. It's Sean Morash and Paul Dotino. Down the sideline, into the end zone. Touchdown, Giants! From the offseason through the wins and the losses, it's time to take one, one, one Giants Giant step. step. All righty, welcome in a happy Black Friday, happy Thanksgiving to you. I don't even know if you wish anybody a Black Friday, but here we are. It's Sean Morris, it's Paul Tatino. It's one giant step following the Giants' 28-20 to loss in Dallas on Thanksgiving Day, dropping the Giants to 7-4. and Paul, we'll get into all things loss and, you know, everything that went into it in a tale of two different halves. But first, happy Thanksgiving. And other than the outcome, how was the trip down to Dallas? Yes, happy Thanksgiving to you. And I just want to know why we aren't shopping this morning. Why are we sitting here talking to each other? Well, I will tell you this, uh, you know, basically, as is with everything, because I'm a grown man child, I still would like my parents to get me something for Christmas, despite the fact that I have kids and they shop for the grandkids. My mom said, you know, one bigger item this year. I could tell you that she's already on some 30% off NFL shop and I will be receiving a Daniel Bellinger jersey on Christmas. So there you there go. That's you go. Big shopping on that. That's the big investment I'm making, Paul. I figure I at least got four years nice. on that, at least. So let's go. Uh, hey, you right. know what's funny? Yesterday, yeah. it, it poured rain Wednesday night all the way into Thursday morning, uh, right up until <laughs> almost game time. And it was one of those days that I must confess, I was on the field the entire game, so I was really happy to have the roof. <laughs> so, yeah. Jerry, thanks for spending the money. <laughs> Yeah, and look, the place looked beautiful, of course, as it always has. I was down there, I think it was the 2015, 14, 13, whatever game it was where Uwani Unga got baked in the end zone at the end. Uh, I do love that place, that whole complex. Uh, it is gorgeous. It's gorgeous, and it seemed like I had a bunch of friends from Long Island. I went down there. They're actually Cowboy fans. They had like a group of 40 of them in the upper deck. They had a blast, uh, you know, partying after the game, seeing the videos that made me sick to my stomach, but here we are. Uh, Paul, okay, look. Uh, there is going to be two ways to, you know, to spin this. Do we hit the panic button on a couple guys in the team? Do you take it for what it is, which, which we predicted, right? They would lose the game too many bodies down, too quick a turnaround. However, uh, I'm going to try to be as positive as possible. 
the game is 13, seven and a half. It really could have been more. And I don't know where you're going to stand on the officiating too. I, you know, it's not the nature of the rule, the way they called the Tyree Phillips play to take seven points off the board. Then of course the Darnay Holmes holding later on in the game. But the bottom line is this, I mean, they did everything they could with the cornerbacks and coverages and disguising uh, and even offensively what they're able to do. It, it, it was such a moral victory to be up at half, but boy, it also felt devastating to only have those 13 points on the board. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Sean. Uh, I looked at that game at 13 to seven and felt like if I were the Giants, that I was losing because yeah. they get two interceptions plus a fourth down stop. I mean, are you kidding me? Right. They could not do anything more defensively in the first half to handcuff the Dallas Cowboys, and yet they're not even up by a full score. Only a six-point lead. I thought that was a very bad sign for them, that the war of attrition was going to come crashing down like the Hoover Dam. And in fact, it really did because you knew Dallas was going to get the third-quarter kickoff, and they immediately came yeah. out, threw a haymaker, and asserted themselves. Now, you mentioned the third down penalty uh, on Darnay Holmes. I don't – look, whatever. Uh, let, let's not go there because here's the bottom line. If the Giants had taken advantage of more of their opportunities in the first half, they would have had a chance to weather the second-half storm and would have made this game extremely close. But they did not build on the cushion that they were being given and consequently – the attrition caught up to them, and they lost. No doubt about it. And I, by the way, I think this is a scenario where two things could go, both be true here. I think that the Giants did not do enough in their own right to win the game. But, it, you know, it's very difficult when you're down that many bodies, undermanned even as a roster versus the Cowboys roster, when you're not down that many bodies, and then have to be pushing a rock uphill with just horrendous officiating. Now, Paul, I ended up doing a little deeper dive into that illegal man downfield that we've seen call a lot. The nature yeah. of the rule specifies a guy must be either five yards downfield or engaging with a defender. Tyree Phillips at the time of the flag was three yards downfield and not engaging with a defender. And look, right. it may not have mattered anyway, but that is a touchdown off the board. Now, they do kick a field goal, so I think to, to make this, it's not like they lost seven points. They lost four points off of that. But, you know, it could have been 17 instead of 13 and a two-score game to start the second half. That was a pretty crucial play, Paul. I, I mean... I, and again, I don't know what's happening. Some of it is the efficiency, some of it's on the Giants. But the last couple of weeks, it feels like the Giants have had a combination of more, I don't want to call boneheaded, but like bad sloppy penalties they didn't have early in the year combined with, you know, the refs just being so quick to pull the trigger on the flags. And oh, by the way, let me add this. If we're going to defend the refs for a second, it was even with the Cowboys when C.D. Lamb has that no touchdown on the other end when the ref basically does this whole tease like he's going to overturn the call only to not. Refs really felt like they were making it about themselves yesterday a bunch of times. You know, Sean, you and I have only been doing this now for a couple of months, so you're not familiar with one of the mantras that I've been repeating for many, many years now. Because of the quicksand of mediocrity in the National Football League, more games are decided by injuries, officiating calls, and fluke bounces of the football than have ever been decided before. You know, back in the 70s and the 80s and even the early 90s, talent decided the games. But the way it is now, I mean, in, the injury report is is number one. That is the number one factor, in, in, in all honesty, as to what decides most games. Then the officiating, that's right up there, right up under it. 
and then the fluky bounces or the tip passes or whatever, whatever, whatever crazy thing happens in a game. I just I would love to go back to the days where pure talent on the roster was the primary deciding factor on, on a on a victory. It's just not that way anymore. It, it, That's not the way this league has been built. Especially when the teams are so close together when they play. I mean, even when you talk about talent. Quick sand of mediocrity, Sean. That's it. I've copyrighted that. That's that's it. That's this what this league is. Quick sand of mediocrity. So, Paul, look, it's 13-7 at the half. Uh, at this point, I go, I make my turkey. I do everything at halftime. I'm having my stuffing on. And I'm, by the way, the quickest I've ever eaten at Thanksgiving dinner. I'm doing one of these at halftime, Paul. Like, I'm just shoving it in my mouth. Uh, my wife is sitting there feeding my kids, my aunt and everybody. And, like, basically, it's me, my dad, and my sister. Just, we got to get back out there and watch the game. Uh, I barely tasted it. I'm pretty sure I didn't even have macaroni and cheese at that point. Whatever. So, I get it down my fat face. I go back outside. I'm going to settle in, watch this second half. And I thought the game was determined in a matter of three plays in five minutes. Okay, Go right ahead. off the bat, that's second down. And I am not going to crush the guy because he had his best game as a pro. Kayvon Thibodeau is unbelievable, but he's got to make that sack. He whiffs on a sack on Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott bounces it off, turns it into a run, makes it a third and four when it could have been about third and 18. Uh, that's a, a point in the game where the Giants might have stopped Dallas on that first drive, gotten them off the field. Okay, that's play second, number one. Second play of the third quarter. Second play of the third quarter. Thibodeau has him. Has him. Dak backs off, bounces off. Now, again, this is not an anti-Thibodeau thing because the guy was unbelievable. He played like a fifth overall pick yesterday. But it's just one of those things. It felt like Kiwanuka in Tennessee light. He's going to get there and he's going to yes. start He's going to start finishing these sacks. I know he will. I have confidence in him. But when he does it, it blows your mind. I mean, they're they're going to be off the field in all likelihood. I mean, I know there's a third down. Anything could happen. But that was such a huge part in that game. So anyway, the drive continues. And we mentioned the Darnay Holmes, the phantom hold. Another play that could have been off the field. Both of those things go against them. Bing, bang, boom. Cowboys are in the end zone. And they have a lead that they would never relinquish. Two huge turning points, Paul, on that drive before, you know, and we're about to discuss that fourth and two that the Giants went for, but your thoughts on that drive and basically I felt that the whole drive was determined on those two plays. Well, I don't think there's any doubt that those were significant plays. I would actually go to the 14-yard crossing pass to uh, Lamb on third and 12 at the Giants 24 when he does make a really nice catch off a dart from Prescott Uh, beating Darnay Holmes. Uh, that sets them up first and goal at the 10. Uh, they were really one, two, two third down conversions that got them down near the end zone, and then they converted. By the way, the touchdown pass to Schultz, the first third down touchdown pass against the Giants this season. How about that? How about that? And we're talking about the first Schultz touchdown, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Because we'll get to the second. Yes, it capped off that drive. Yeah. 14 plays, 75 yards uh, with uh, three third down conversions. Uh, The last one, the the Schultz one. Totally, totally concur. And again, that drive, you look at it and you're like, all right, not, not so great execution by the Giants after buckling down so well in the first half. They come out and start the third quarter, and they're just a hair off. Yep. And Dallas takes advantage. You get the penalty thrown in there, and all of a sudden now, guess what? That entire first half is washed away because the Giants are now trailing by a point. Yep. If, and if, if, if you they start done. feeling it then, yeah, of I, course. I, saw, I saw the holes being poked in the dam. Passion, drive, and patience. 
What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Of course, and which is going to lead us now to the ensuing drive in which the Giants approach midfield in their own territory and the decision that's going to be debated about going for it. Now, let me just say this, Paul, to your point, I was feeling the same way because you felt like the Giants had to do everything perfect to win this game. And the fact that they had the lead, they didn't capitalize on touchdowns. And then Dallas immediately took the lead. I was completely in favor of going for it. And, and look, the coach knows we're, we're thin at cornerback. There's a team that can pass all over the place. That play approaches on fourth down, and I think it was a catastrophic failure on three levels, Paul. Number one, if you are going to go for it in your own zone and be aggressive like Brian Dable is, you have to have two things prepared between him and Mike Kafka. Number one, the idea that you are going for it, and number two, the play call in. That play took entirely too long to get into Daniel Jones. I mean, he's basically rushing to get a team with three new offensive linemen set in that spot, and then they only have 10 guys on the field. The entire thing was rushed. I mean, and look, that could be the case, rookie head coach, rookie offensive coordinator, where we've praised these guys. They're allowed to make mistakes, but that was a scenario where they had the right idea, but just were not prepared enough. But that being said, the play goes off. It would, despite everything, 10 guys on the field rushed all of it. And I knew that I think the rushing was part of the reason the throw was this way. Daniel Jones has to make a better throw. He just does. And Daniel Jones struggled in the flats at times yesterday. And then on top of that, even with the poorer throw, Saquon Barkley still does get two hands on the football. And if you are going to be the superstar player on the team, look, you get two hands on a football, like it or not, you got to come down with the catch. Even if it doesn't mean it's a 20 yard play, it's still a first down. Paul, I thought all three levels, coaching quarterback and the star running back there, all fail, then if you know maybe one of those three things goes in a better direction, they convert on that fourth down. I don't have an answer for you on the coaching scenario. I, I understand that. Did that you notice point, that though, Paul? That it felt yeah, like it well, was I, taking forever? My problem with it, my problem with it from the coaching perspective is that why did it take so long to line up and call the play? Right. I mean, to me, to me, 
you're in that situation, and I understand why he went for it, and I'm totally on board with going for the fourth down. I am too. But my feeling is, even at third and six from the 40, now Barkley catches the five-yard dump-off pass, and Van Der Esch stops him a yard short of the first down. To me, that's a that's a, okay, guys, let's huddle up and go. I, I, I want the communication into Jones saying, quickly, get up to the line of scrimmage, no huddle, Get up there, call the play, and go. Right. That that that's what I would have preferred to see. So that's where I stand on the on the coaching angle on that. Um, the throw, I'm not so much upset with the throw because every offensive skill position player has a box. Now there's a bullseye that says that's the perfect throw. That's where it's got to be. But every skill position player has a box. You're a professional. You're getting paid good money. If the ball is within that box and you can get two hands on it, it's more on you than it is on the quarterback. So I'm not really that upset with Jones for a pass that was a little bit behind and a little bit low because it was clearly in Saquon Barkley's box. And to be frank with you, he gets his two hands on it and he's tripping and falling down. He's two yards past the marker or three yards past the right. marker. It's a first down. Right. It's a, I mean, it, I agree. So – and who knows? And here's the thing. Right. At least Jones Jones came right out and said, I got to make a better throw. So good for him to be a leader and to be responsible. Eli would have done the same thing. And good for Barkley saying, I got I got to make a better play. They said, well, why? What could you have done? He goes, I could have caught it. <laughs> That's simple. Yeah. That's simple. Yeah, I and look, no doubt about it. And, and now I again, I'd rather have guys taking accountability than being like that other team in New York where some guys don't take accountability after games. So with that, obviously then, you know, the, the wheels kind of fall off. The Cowboys go right down the field again. And I believe that's the second Schultz touchdown where Nick McLeod is just completely crushed on the third down. And McLeod had played a good game up until that point. But again, you're scrapping together. I mean, the Giants had seven of 22 starters yesterday, Paul, who were not part of the team in training camp. They're right. either waiver claims or cuts. I mean, that's a third of the starters out there. McLeod, one of those guys, playing a lot of snaps. They, they you know, they McLeod was not victimized on that drive, though, Sean. I got to help you out with that one. That was, that was not the one. That was no. Pinnock. This is Pinnock. This is Pinnock on on the right roll where Schultz comes out, fakes a block like a run. Pinnock takes a step inside toward the line of scrimmage, biting on what he thinks is going to be a running play and winds up getting caught because Schultz then cuts it outside on the square out, catches the ball at the one. Pinnock cannot make the tackle. Okay. And Schultz reaches in for the score. So maybe I'm having the touchdowns confused then. Was McLeod on him the first touchdown? McLeod was on Schultz for the first touchdown. Okay. Then that's the play I'm getting confused with. For some reason, I had those two it's mixed okay. up. okay. It is. Look, I mean, they, Schultz, the whole thing blended together. His, here's right. the thing, right? Schultz didn't play in the first game against the Giants this year. But in his previous three games against the Giants, he had caught at least six balls for at least 60 yards in each of those three games. The guys like Jason Witten 2.0 yeah. when it comes to playing the Giants. You yep. had to know. You had to know he was going to be involved in a key spot in this game. Paul, you are, this is, our chemistry is developing here. You're walking right into my next point because you're so right about Schultz and he didn't play in the first game. You know who did play in the first game of the Giants didn't have? And you're seeing it two games in a row. 
this Xavier McKinney injury is becoming a really big deal for the Giants. It is. You just brought up Pinnock. It just is. And I know it's a freak injury. And I know it's stupid now to debate whether he should have been on the ATV or not because everybody's going to have a million opinions on it. But Xavier McKinney is the sub, whether it's deep safety coming up in the box, covering tight ends, and Julian Love's excellent on the other end. But it's the combination of those two as a duo and splitting up and not having one of those guys as a duo and being that thin. And look, they've done a fine job, Belton, Pinnock. They've, they've been able to do enough. But Xavier McKinney's a difference maker, Paul. And whether it's against the run last week or even covering running backs out of the backfield versus the Lions or just the idea of having whether it's him or Love that's going to be able to handle Schultz in some of these spots, the Giants are missing Xavier McKinney so badly. And I thought that was so evident. Obviously, Adoree's obvious in not having him on CD Lamb, but that was, McKinney is so badly missed here, Paul. Yeah, I agree with you, and I think that Xavier McKinney has risen to the level of what I call a headache player because I do believe coordinators have to be aware of what he's doing and where he's going to be and what his responsibilities are. Remember, he's the he's the guy who's supposed to have the green dot. Not that Julian Love hasn't done a great job. He had right. double digits and tackles uh, yesterday for the second time this season. So Julian Love is a fine safety. I, we've talked about this. He's really played extremely well this year. But the tandem, you're right. It's very, very important. And even though the Giants players, and I talked to them in the locker room after the game, nobody was saying that because of the lack of starters that they had changed much on defense. I, I give them credit for stepping up and saying those things. But I have to believe if I'm Kellen Moore, I'm looking at that Giants defense differently, especially after they locked me down in the first half. You know, now I'm going to make my adjustments. I'm going to pull stuff out of my pocket that I didn't have in the first half. And guess what? I don't have to worry about Xavier McKinney being there to try to ruin my right. day. You're absolutely right. Now, Paul, let's shift this, I guess, to more negative here. Uh, and it's a million-dollar question, and it's one when I was on, you know, the fan after all you guys on the post-game show last night that I think listeners really wanted to, you know, think about and deep dive into. We understood and we saw the shoulder injury earlier in the year, but boy, does it feel like right now Saquon Barkley does not have that burst. It, it feels like he's being a little more hesitant than he had been. I said, you know, there's still a possibility maybe he does less trust in the shuffling of the offensive line. But that's we're seeing—I mean, that's what it feels like. We're seeing a little more of the Saquon we saw last year, and less of the Saquon that was a league MVP candidate early in the year. And it's been—and Dable said a post game about the less explosive plays and all that go into it. I know Brightwell gave him a little bit of a boost, but this team right now, if Saquon Barkley is not cooking and he's kind of pitter pattering a little bit, it's a different ball team, ball club on the offensive side of the ball. I give you two things to uh, to chew on, Sean, regarding this. Number one. There is no question that since this offensive line was shuffled in Seattle, uh, they have had a lot more trouble giving this guy the kind of space that he needs, the kind of confidence and assertiveness that he needs. Because, hey, look, it's amazing that he actually gained the trust and the confidence and the assertiveness necessary behind the rebuilt offensive line from the very beginning of the season. Somehow he was able to do it so quickly that over the first two months of the year, to me, he was a lead MVP candidate. But now since the line got shuffled again, I'm not seeing that assertiveness, that confidence, that trust, the sense of timing, the understanding that my guy's going to hold that block and I can hit that hole. This is the same problem we saw from him the last a few years while he was injured. And so 
they got to get those guys back as soon as possible in that regard. But here's the other point. Going into yesterday's game, 61% of Saquon Barkley's rushing yards had come in the second halves of games. Yes. Now, why? That was because the Giants were still in games, down by one score, knowing they could still chop away. And what would happen is that as Barkley would continue to pound it, chop, chop, chop the rock, it would finally break, and he would get two or three explosive plays in the third quarter or the early fourth quarter. That's not happening now. In this Giants two-game losing streak, or go back to the Seattle game even, because they would get down by a score and a half, two scores. Now they're getting away from it. And now the chop, chop, chop doesn't happen. And when you can't chop it 25 times, the rock doesn't break and those explosive plays will not come. This is why the Giants framework is so critical. They cannot afford to get down by more than a score, score and a half. Once it gets to two scores, it changes the entire complexion yeah. of what they want to do, and it takes away the potential for explosive Barkley runs. Which brings me to two things that are going to piggyback off of that. Number one, Mike Kafka, first-time play caller with the Chiefs. I think one thing that infuriated fans yesterday, but it kind of speaks to what you're talking about, being down and not having the weapons and having the run game. Paul, they treated down two scores with about seven and change left, like they were up a score and running the four-minute offense. I mean, it's one thing to still want to keep running the ball because you can't just drop back and have the Cowboys be pass rush. But, I mean, it, it felt like they ran the ball four times in a row. They had taken about three minutes off the clock. You're down two scores. There, The lack of urgency in the play calling uh, – and I don't know if that's Daniel Jones not hurrying up. I don't know if it's just Mike Kafka is so scared of that pass rush killing Jones down the end. But in many ways, it was almost as if they were waving a white flag down two scores with just continuing to run the ball like four plays in a row, whatever it was, in that spot, just draining time when they, you know the clock was their enemy at that point. Well, they, they went – I know what you're talking about. Nine minutes left. They're down 28 to 13. Um Hodgins catch a, catches a pass, and then on second and five, Barkley runs for 10. Barkley runs for two. Then he comes out. Breida comes in. He goes for, for two plays. Brightwell comes in. He goes for two yeah. plays. And then they start throwing it once they got inside the Dallas 40. Now, if they had scored on this drive, they kicked off to Dallas with three minutes left. If they had scored there and made it a 28-20 to 20 game, Dallas would have had the ball back with three minutes left, up by one score. And the Giants, if I'm not mistaken, would have had two timeouts two. at because, that point. Because Thibodeau, Thibodeau used that one early, one. Which, right. da which Dable was not happy with on the sideline at the time. Right. So is that a great situation? No. But – if you have any trust at all, and I don't know why you would trust your defense, because at this point they had given up three consecutive touchdown drives right. to the Cowboys. I don't necessarily think you can believe you're going to get the three and out there. That's exactly but, it. Well, you almost have to play for a six and out at best. You know, you, you have to yeah. coach that way. Yeah, uh, I, I understand the point. Under normal circumstances, if you felt that you had your defensive pieces, if the lineup was full, I would have no problem with that because I think the Giants defense at full capacity could get a three and out with three minutes to go. 
but under these circumstances, probably not. And so I see, I see where you're going with that. Which now, again, will we'll furthermore, okay? And I know, obviously, you were locked in in Dallas. I sat there, watched all three games yesterday. And it's something that's so evident if you watch the Giants, you watch the rest of the league. And we talk about injuries and we talk about talent. Paul, yesterday, what would bail the Cowboys out on so many of these downs is C.D. Lamb is basically Spider-Man. You know, he could go up, grab any pass he wants, okay? Mm-hmm. The first game, the Lions go down the field against the Buffalo Bills, and the Buffalo Bills have like 40 seconds left. And why are they able to kick a, a game-winning field goal? Because they have an alpha in Stefan Diggs making that play. Justin Jefferson list. I know these guys are premier players, but look, it, again, I'm going to keep saying the rock uphill thing. You love saying that too. When And we love Slayton. When Darius Slayton's reality in number three is the only guy you really have that can go up and get it. I mean, the Giants, that is what this team is lacking. It's I mean, the Eagles a year ago are talking about, oh, do we trade for Deshaun Watson? Now Jalen Hurts the toast of the town after they get A.J. Brown. Yeah. This, to me, is, continues to be the biggest Achilles heel. When you're down in games, you don't have that receiver that you know is going to go one-on-one with a corner and the quarterback can get it to him. And it changes everything. It changes the feel of the quarterback. It changes the feel of the game. It changes the way a defense can play. Maybe that would free some stuff up for Barkley. Paul, I I mean, it's so evident watching three Thanksgiving games yesterday and watching how that giant game unfolds and seeing what C.D. Lamb did to him. I I really am starting to come to grips with, I I don't know how you don't enter this offseason, and that is your biggest need. They need a number one wide receiver. To your point, think about this for a second. You don't have to answer it right away. How many contested catches did the Cowboys make yesterday? Contested. Half a dozen? Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, I mean, a lot. It felt like a lot. It was. Yeah. It was. I mean, Cordell Flott Flott was playing great defense a couple times. I think it was Gallup. And, you know, there was nothing you could do. And the guy makes an unbelievable catch. To, To Prescott's credit, he threw some darts yesterday. He did. Absolute darts. And absolutely incredible display by his receivers. They had flypaper for hands. You'll say Spider-Man. I, I I love to use Skyscraper for the big, tall receivers. These guys aren't big, tall receivers. They just have sticky hands, sticky fingers. It seemed like every time that there was a Giants defender on somebody, like somebody said to me, Darnay Holmes was terrible. I said, no, no, wait a minute. Go back and look at how many contested catches were made against him. There were a number of times Darnay Holmes was all over the guy. Flott was all over the guy. Uh, McLeod was there. And there's Prescott throwing a dart, throwing a seed, and just sticking a hand up, sticks. I'm like, what the hell? Where are their drops? There's no drops here. These, These clowns are catching everything, including a freaking cold. So in any event, uh, yes, that was very impressive. Give Dallas credit for that because their receivers made all the plays that their quarterback needed. And how many contested catches did the Giants make yesterday? Outside of Slayton's one bomb, how many contested catches? Was there another? I don't remember. No. No, in fact, that's what made the first drive, the Slayton kind of falling down when Jones put that gate ball out there. You know, that backbreaking, like that's the thing, right? When the Giants miss a play like that to Slayton, which could be a contested catch, it, it's almost as if uh, you're, you're screaming because everything has to go right. You know, one missed play, one missed opportunity because you don't have that kind of guy that could go make those plays and, and the whole game could spiral out. And and that's yeah. 
That's to me is the major weakness, which is why they need these other guys healthy because they need to go back to playing the kinds of games they played in the first half. Uh, and you only hope, Paul, and, and we're going to get into this next week when we do our game preview at the end of next week, you only hope that these 10 days off do them well and some of the guys that we've talked about are able to go versus the commanders. One thought on the contested catch thing. Yeah. It really shows you how deeply buried Kenny Galladay is. Oh, no doubt. Because, no doubt. because this to me, this is a desperation aspect that the Giants are missing on their team right now. And that's the guy who's supposed to be able to do it, and he can barely get on the field. I'm sorry. Um, No matter how many times I talk to him, I believe in the guy. You talk to the coaches. They say all the right things. Something is just not making sense at all because there's a need there, and and he's not being given the chance to supply that need. I don't know what it is. I'm sorry. I wish I could tell you. This is like – a bigger mystery than Howard Hughes and his disguises, as far as I'm concerned. And All right, Paul, God knows, maybe you know where Jimmy Hoff is buried. I, I don't. I've got some. I've got some clues, I <laughs> but I can't tell you. Paul, okay? if you don't, if you don't know officially, nobody knows. And and yeah. and, to, and you know, we'll close with this. You want to see how you know decisions? And I wasn't anti-signing Galladay, so I'm not going to act like I'm second guessing it. Right, But if, if the Giants ultimately don't pay that money to Galladay last year and they go in some other direction, they end up drafted Tony in the first one, didn't work out either. But missing on both those guys at wide receiver, think about it. If the Galladay money isn't used, you know who else might be on the Giants this year? James Bradbury. Boy, could they have used him at corner yesterday. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? It, it's all those things. The Galladay contract has been a killer to this team. Uh, and not being able to have him and be an alpha has been absolutely brutal. Well, Paul, with that, we will wrap it up. It has been a long couple of days of work with us with the Giants. We are uh, going to close the book. You won't get, obviously, a recap on Monday because we're going to relax on Sunday. We're going to watch the Commanders play the Falcons a little bit, and we're going to reconvene. And I'm just hope, oh, Paul, I am not ready to hit the, oh, my goodness, this season is spiraling out of control. Take a deep breath, 10 days off. Let's start to get guys like Evan Neal, maybe Daniel Bellinger back, and hopefully look ahead to the Commanders and go go chase down a playoff spot here. Folks, at 7-4, and four, since 1990, 71% of 7-4 and teams have made the playoffs. Let me allow that to soak into your soup for just a few minutes. And before we go, Sean, to those of you who may have just joined our podcast for the first time, understand that in our preview podcast, not only did both of us predict the Giants to lose, but we also told you it would not be devastating. The Giants' playoff chances and their season hinges on the two games against the Washington Commanders. We told you that before Thanksgiving. We're going to tell you the same thing now. Don't be upset. Don't go crazy. Don't freak out. This was just another simple loss. The two Washington games are the games that will determine the Giants' fate. We said it before. We'll say it again. Stick with us the rest of the way. We'll give you some more good information. How about that for a little promo? And by the way, our producer Adam also points out, also you have to remember that stat doesn't include the extra wild card spot that now exists where the Giants can take part in as well. Uh, All right, Paul, look, we'll reconvene, we'll we'll regroup. By the way, I did pick the Giants to lose by eight yesterday. They covered. I was right on that. I uh, didn't have the score right, but I picked the you know the point differential right. I know the Richie James touchdown was very late, but I'm just going to pat myself on the back anyway. Paul, where can we follow you on Twitter? We have the Dable Presser coming up, all that stuff. You will have all the great quotes. Where are we going to find you? At Giants WFAN. 
You can follow me at Mraz CBS. Thank you, everyone, again. Enjoy the rest of your Thanksgiving weekend. Get that holiday shopping in. And again, download, subscribe everywhere. Podcasts are downloadable, subscribable. I'm losing track of words. I've spoken too much for two days. Thanks for taking one giant step with us. <laughs>